welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. Exodus chapter 33, verse 17 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. From this couple of verses today, I want to unpack a thought uh, that we want to title, Great Grace. Great Grace. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us clearly and let's respond to what God wants to do, believing for great things today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, God, that you are here and for everyone gathered here today. And Father, as your word goes forth, I ask that you would speak to the heart of each person. And more importantly, God, I ask that we would hear and receive it and respond. We bind anything that would try to hinder your will from being accomplished today. I lose faith into this atmosphere and revelation that we would believe the word and that our hearts would be illuminated by your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. First couple of verses that we just read uh, is kind of the uh, transitional portion of a previous conversation that Moses was having with God and this transition to a very supernatural experience that uh, Moses would have. And we read in verse 9 of Exodus 33, says, and it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. In this verse, we see a pattern that as Moses entered the tabernacle, a designated meeting place between God and man, that the spirit of God represented here as a cloudy pillar descended. And then the Lord spoke with Moses. So we see the pattern that was instituted in Genesis chapter 1 continue in this example. God moved and then God spoke. The Spirit of God moved preparing the heart of man for God to speak. The moving of the Spirit of God can soften the hardest heart. The moving of the Spirit of God has a way of melting the the pride of man's heart like wax. The Spirit of God moving has a way of binding up the brokenhearted. And you come in here weary, discouraged, and a mess, but when the Spirit of God moves, the weight you carried in here falls off. That's the power of the Spirit of God preparing the way for the Word of God. We see this pattern continue. And then verse 10, it says, And all the people saw the cloudy pillar standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. The pattern continues that God moving and God speaking will cause people to see. That is why when we gather together as the people of God, it is absolutely vital that the two top goals of every service is that we praise him until he moves to prepare the way for him to speak. 
God's moving prepares our spirits for the word of God to give us clarity and revelation of what he wants to do next, of where we're going, of what he wants to fix in our life that is broken or something in our life that we may be withholding from him. The spirit of God makes it possible for him to speak in us, receive it, and when we do that, people will see. And people are seeing. And more people will continue to see. But we've got to have a move of God. We've got to have a word of God. That's what separates the real church from the fake ones. Not to try to, you know, make some verbal attack. It's not about that. The reality of it is, is that the real church is made up of people that want to have a move of God and want the whole word of God. And that's our goal. Verse 11, we read then that the Lord spake to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he turned again to the camp and his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the temple. Does anyone know why Joshua was the one that would take up the mantle that Moses had? That was the, the successor of Moses. Because Joshua was a young man who lingered in the presence of God even when Moses would leave. Joshua was a young man that had a hunger for the things of God that he would go further up the mountain than others were willing to go. Joshua was a young man who had this desire in him that not every other person had. And that's what is important to notice. God doesn't care about your background or your past or whether or not you have ministry in your blood. God only is looking for hunger. And if you stay hungry, there is no place that God will not take you. There is no calling that God will withhold from you. But you must be hungry for the things of God. And so we see Joshua, a young man, did not leave the temple, the meeting place between God and man. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me to bring up these people, and you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. I know thee by name is covenant language. It's not just the fact that God knows each of our names. That is, that is covenant language that you are my people and I am your God. And the only way that that happens is when we enter into covenant relationship. So Moses says, now therefore I pray thee if I have found grace in your sight. Show me now thy way that I may know thee. That I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up from hence. Moses did not want to go to a place where the presence of God would not go. Moses was not interested in moving forward if the Spirit of God was not going to move forward. Moses wanted to be in the place where the presence of God was established. A very important lesson for us to learn 
is as the people of God, we must be flexible, mobile, and we must learn to flow with the presence of God. Wherever the Spirit is leading, that's where we should want to go. Whatever the Spirit is calling us to, that is what we should be hungering for. Moses said, God, if you're not going there, I don't want to go there. I want to be where you are. I want to be established where your presence inhabits. And he said unto him, if your presence does not go with me, then do not let us go up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? I want to make sure we caught that. Moses said, what is the sign that we have found grace in your sight? What is the key, the clue, the symbol, the signal that your grace is on us? Is if your presence is with us. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in your sight? How are we going to know? Then he answers his question with a question. Is it not that you go with us? The number one clue of whether or not a church has the grace of God with it is if the presence of God resides there. Because if there is no presence, there is no grace. And so Moses is saying, I don't want to go to a place where your grace is not already there. I don't want to go to a place where your presence is not. Because if your presence is not there, your grace is not there. And so shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of of the earth. What separates us from everybody else? Moses is asking. We're all flesh and blood. We are all made in the image of God. But are we your covenant people? That's that that's what separates us from others. And covenant people have the presence of God and the grace of God and Moses is saying that is what separates us from everyone else. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. You are my covenant people, and because of that, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will be with you to the end. My presence will be with you. My grace will be with you because you are my covenant people. We see that the grace of God was connected to the presence of God and Moses was not willing to go anywhere where the grace of God would not go and where the presence of God would not go. But the important thing to notice is that this encounter took place in a mobile tabernacle, not a stationary temple. 
the original tabernacle that was given a blueprint by God to Moses was designed to be mobile. That wherever the spirit of God went, the tabernacle would be able to be packed up and taken to the next destination. And herein we see not only should covenant people have the presence of God and the grace of God, but we must be mobile, not only in a physical location, but in a spiritual condition. We must be able to flow with the moving of the Spirit. If we cannot flow, we will never be able to go because a river flows and the water in that river flows from one place to another. So it is in the Spirit and so it should be with the people of God. As we learn to flow, we go to new spiritual levels. As we learn to flow and follow the leading of the Spirit, we will literally go into new cities. But we must be rest assured that as the covenant people of God who are committed to following the leading of the Spirit, the grace of God is going with us and the presence of God is going with us wherever we go. And because of that, we have nothing to fear, spiritually or naturally. And this story that we read sets a paradigm that continues to unfold throughout time. In the fullness of time, Jesus came to this earth. God manifest in the flesh, showing us the way, showing us the truth, showing us the life, showing us the door, showing us the one who would take away the sin of the whole world. And the same answer for each uh, thing listed there is the same name. It was Jesus. And as he died on that cross, was buried in a tomb and rose again on that third day with victory over literally everything. Authority over literally everything. He told his followers to go and wait in Jerusalem until they are endued with power from on high. He said, go and wait for the promise of the Father. Those were some of his last instructions as he is lifted up off the ground and carried up into the clouds. And his followers most of them at least, obey that command. And they go back to Jerusalem and they are waiting here for this promise to be fulfilled. They are waiting here for this uh, manifestation of the promise of God to come to pass. And while they're waiting, they're praying. And while they're waiting, they are praising God. And while they are waiting for the fulfillment, they are creating an atmosphere for the fulfillment to be birthed in. But one of the last things Jesus tells them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is he says, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. 
We understand that verse in one uh, phase or one aspect, you shall receive power. And we like to talk about that Holy Ghost power, that power that can break any chain, that power that can set the captive free, open the blind eyes, and all of that, that dunamis power, that Greek word dunamis here is the word power in this verse, and one meaning of it is miracle power. That means any person that has been filled with the Spirit of God has been granted permission and power to pray for anyone and about anything, and your prayers, because you are Spirit-filled, has the power to change things. We read in the Gospels that Jesus gave his followers power and authority to go and heal the sick because the power Jesus gave them was now on them and in them and they were given the ability to operate miraculously. It wasn't of their own ability, but it was because of the ability that Jesus imparted to them. And if you are spirit-filled, you have been granted that same ability to go out, pray for whoever, pray whatever according to the will of God, and let your faith expect it to come to pass. But there's another angle of this dunamis power, and it simply means ability. Ability, what is it? Whatever ability the Holy Ghost gives you. The Holy Ghost didn't just give us the ability for the miraculous. The Holy Ghost gave us also the ability for lifestyle change. You don't get your ability for lifestyle change when you are baptized in the name of Jesus. That just expunges the record of your sin as if it never existed. And the name of Jesus is applied to your life. He knows you by name. That's covenant language. You are his child now. You are born again of the water, but you have not been given power yet. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And not just a one-time thing where it's a one experience we had 30 years ago. We are to continuously be filled with the Holy Ghost. Live a life full of the Holy Ghost. The book of Acts tells us what a life lived full of the Holy Ghost looks like. So if our life doesn't look like that, then that should tell us where we are. And we should pray until we are filled with such a fire, filled with such a boldness, filled with such a hunger that we begin to see things happen on our life that we read about in the book of Acts. And it doesn't just stop with chapter 2. Acts 2, Peter's filled. Acts 3, Peter is seeing the miraculous happen as he is out in his community and saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. The step between chapter 2 and chapter 3 in our life is we've got to get filled 
And then we need to act. Go to work. Let it manifest itself through our life. But this miracle power, this ability, isn't just for ministry or the demonstration of the Spirit of God for the benefit of others. It is also for the benefit of us. We are filled with the Spirit of God, the power of God that God grants us through the promise of the infilling of his spirit a supernatural ability to do and become what we never could become on our own that's what the Holy Ghost can do in your life if you constantly let it work in your life if you live a life full of the Holy Ghost, you are granted a supernatural ability to become something you couldn't become on your own. Neither do you deserve to become on your own. But God gives you that ability. That is grace. The grace of God is the supernatural ability in your life enabling you to become somebody you couldn't become on your own. Well, I never could become that. No, you couldn't. But the grace of God in your life enabled you to come up out of your mess, to step out of those family curses, to leave your past behind and step into what he's calling you to. The grace of God did that. Not your talent, not your ability, not the church we're a part of. The grace of God did that. And the grace of God gives us the ability to live right, talk right, do right. And if you're having a hard time doing that, maybe you just need to get full of the Holy Ghost again. And stay full of the Holy Ghost. And let the Spirit of God work through you. Let it change your mind. Let it change how you talk. Let it change how you live. This ability comes with the infilling of the Spirit of God. And when you are filled with the Spirit of God, you are filled with the grace of God. Because the Spirit of God, working with the grace of God, is giving you that ability to become somebody you couldn't become on your own. And you can't get the grace of God without the presence of God. Moses said, how do we know that we have found grace in your sight unless you're with us? And God said, I will be with you. And Jesus said in John 14, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not and it doesn't know him. But Jesus looked his disciples in the eye and said, but you know him for he dwelleth with you and he shall be in you. What God said to Moses in Exodus that I will be with you for you have found grace in my sight, God would take it one step further. And he who would be called Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, God in flesh, through his death, burial, and resurrection made a way, for he no longer just had to be with us, but he made a way that he could be 
in us, working in us and on us from the inside out, giving us that supernatural ability to come up out of the despair of fallen man and rise up into heavenly places to become who God has called us to be. We read in Acts chapter 2 that as they're praying and as they're praising, waiting for the fulfillment, that suddenly there did come a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind, it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Another word for that is Ability. The first sign that the grace of God is now working in you in a way it never has before is he gives you a sign that he gives you the ability to do something you can't do on your own. A language you can't speak on your own. But the spirit of God that has filled you has now given you this ability, this utterance that now you are filled with the spirit of God verse 5 they were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews devout men out of every nation under heaven now when this was noised abroad the multitude came together and they were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language they were all amazed and marveled saying one to another behold are not all these which speak Galileans how do we hear them all speak in our own tongue? I've heard theological explanations about this, that uh, the reason why this happened was because uh, they, they spoke in uh, these other people's native tongues so that they could witness to them. That is not true because one of the common languages in this day was Greek. And later, Peter gets up and preaches, and 3,000 hear it and respond. He wasn't speaking in 15 different languages at the same time. There is no reason or explanation that Peter had multiple interpreters. He spoke one language when he preached, but the supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God was confirming to people in a way they couldn't deny. How do these people who are all from Galilee speak all these different languages? It was a sign to them. Something supernatural is happening. We experienced this a couple weeks ago, praying for someone. And God, uh, I'm just praying in the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden I speak in Spanish. I didn't know that until they told me later. And God used me through the, uh, his spirit to speak a word to them in that moment. And they knew that it was from God for them. It was a supernatural sign to them. I didn't know. That's the grace of God working. And so that same example is written literally here in the book of Acts. How do all of these people who are from one place speak languages from all these different regions? They were amazed and they marveled. How do we hear this from all these places? They heard them speak of the wonderful works of God. The purpose of it was that God 
would get the glory. That is the purpose of it all. They were all amazed. They were in doubt. They said one to another, what does this mean? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Why did they say that? Well, first off, it all happened in a place that it was possible for the word to spread. And they were up there experiencing this move of the Spirit long enough for word to spread and people to come check it out. So it wasn't a five-minute deal. They got so full of the Holy Ghost that the Spirit of God began to influence their behavior in such a way that people that were just looking from the outside said, oh, they're just drunk. So yes, the Spirit of God is supposed to influence our behavior. When we're praying, but also when we're living. And the quality of prayer that we have should transform us in such a way that it affects the lifestyle we live. And if the Spirit of God through us is filling us and working through us and changing our lifestyle in such a way that we live right, talk right, act right, treat others right, all of that simply means just righteousness. If it does that, it's only because of the grace of God working through the Spirit of God, which is working in us, that causes us to be able to change. Does that make sense? That's why it can't be a one and done type thing. That's why, oh, I prayed real good 30 years ago, now I'm saved. Probably not. You need to be full of the Holy Ghost and let the Spirit of God work on you daily. And as we wrap up here, Acts chapter 4, verse 33. little time had passed between the upper room and now, and they had seen many miracles Lots of uh, powerful demonstrations of the Spirit of God, a little persecution. They battled a little bit of fear, but they prayed until the place was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the Word of God with boldness. And then it says in verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection. I have a question. Does your life give witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. How you live every day out there, does your life tell people around you Jesus is alive? Because that's the only way word can get out about Jesus. That's the only foolproof, undeniable way that people know Jesus is alive. And so with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And here it is. And great grace was upon them all. A life lived full of the Holy Ghost is a life lived where great grace is on your life. 
giving you the ability to do things you can't do as a human being. The Spirit of God working through you does that. You pray prayers you can't pray out of your own faith, but the Holy Ghost working through you moves on you to pray those prayers. You pray for people that you wouldn't do that in your own ability. No, but the Spirit of God in you, working through you, working on your mind, working on your faith, removing fear, filling you with boldness and great power, reveals this great grace upon your life they had favor with people it was an undeniable thing that where they went not everyone believed but nobody could deny God was with them why because they were filled with the spirit of God the presence of God went with them wherever they went and the grace of God went with them wherever they went and Paul tells us know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. God's goal was never to remain in a tent. His ultimate goal was to get in you. The temple of the Holy Ghost, your body, fill you with his spirit so that wherever you go, people will see the presence of God was with them. The grace of God is with them. They are the people of God. The clue to the world around us that we are the people of God is that wherever we go, his spirit is with us. And wherever we go, the undeniable favor of God is upon us. But you have to be full of the Holy Ghost. It's an undeniable fact that the grace of God is upon this church. The ability that God is doing through us is undeniable. We are moving into a new level, but that means we're going to have to stay hungry. At every level we get to, we can't be satisfied. We've got to continually move with the moving of the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of God is, the grace of God will be, enabling us to do things we can't do on our own. But it's going to require people that are full of the Holy Ghost. Do you want great grace on your life? The favor of God that is so undeniable and makes people sick around you. Everything they touch turns to gold. The favor of God is on them. They, they, they never get sick. They never get tired. The grace of God. They just keep moving no matter what comes against them. They just keep moving forward. Why? We have great grace on our life. But it requires us to be full of the Holy Ghost. Because great grace cannot be on us if the Holy Ghost is not in us. Great grace will not work through a people that are not flexible with the Spirit of God. Who do not pray. Who do not fast. Who do not worship the Lord. We are not a people that go through the motions. We are not a people that are satisfied with where we are. We want everything that God has for us. And if God is calling us there, that's where we're going to go. There is about to be an unleashing 
of the demonstration of the Spirit of God through this church at a level none of us have ever experienced before. And it is going to shake this city. And news is going to spread. And it's going to last long enough that people out there are going to come in here. And they're going to witness what we experience. And what they witness, they will experience. But it's going to start with a group of people who are not satisfied with just getting a touch of the Holy Ghost, but we want to get full of the Holy Ghost. And when you leave this place and you walk out onto your job, your co-workers are going to see there's something different about them. You're going to get word that somebody at your job is sick and the Spirit of God is going to move on you to pray and they are going to be healed and great grace was upon them all. You're going to be talking to your neighbor who's going to talk about their family member who's terminally ill and you're going to pray for them and God is going to heal their body and great grace was upon them all and word is going to spread throughout your neighborhood. There's something different about that person. Great grace was upon them all because wherever great grace is, the presence of God is. Wherever the presence presence of God is, the grace of God is. And you, child of God, are a temple of the Holy Ghost. So wherever you go, God goes. And wherever you go, the grace of God goes. Giving you the ability to do something you couldn't do before. Giving you the ability to speak words you can't speak on your own. Giving you the ability to be who he desires you to be. All because the Holy Ghost gave you the dunamis power to be what God has called you to be. And it all starts when we all come together in one accord and we pray until the Spirit of God fills the house, comes on us, and fills us. And you can't be changed from the inside out by the Spirit of God until the Spirit of God gets in you and His grace gets in you, changing your thinking, changing your heart. And once the inside is changed, it's manifested. That's why when people get full of the Holy Ghost, they worship a little bit differently. They pray a little bit differently. They reach out to others and God begins to use them in a way they hadn't been used before. Why? Because they're super spiritual? No. They're just full of the Holy Ghost. And anybody who wants to be can be full of the Holy Ghost. Just pray until the Holy Ghost begins to influence your behavior in such a way where you're not just touched, but you're saturated from the inside out. Pray until you are changed. Regardless of how long we've been a child of God, I believe each of us today need to pray until God moves in our life and removes some things we've allowed to clutter our thinking and puts into us some boldness, puts into us fresh passion, puts a fresh anointing on us. But none of that happens if we don't pray. 
People of great grace are people of great prayer. People that are used mightily of God are people that pray in private. They're not satisfied with the status quo, but they want everything that God has for them. And this church, I believe, is a church that wants everything God has for us. So could we pray? And as we pray today, if you'd make your way to this front, would you simply just pray prayers and let the Spirit of God move on you, through you, and in you until you can say with assuredness, certainty, Something changed in my life. God did something in my life. There is a turning point that we are about to reach where the Spirit of God is going to demonstrate His power at a level we cannot comprehend. But we don't get there until we pray. If you want to come kneel at this altar and pray, pray there. If you want to stand with hands lifted, pray. But most importantly, would you lift your voice? And would you let the Spirit of God descend upon you like that cloud descended upon that tabernacle? And let the glory of the Lord fill your heart and mind.